This is most certainly true. In the greatest act of selfless mercy, God sent his own son into our world to die for your sins. And we can't stop talking about it. We now present this sermon, recently delivered at Grace, to you. According to St. Matthew, the 14th chapter. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. As evening approached, the disciples came to him and said, This is a remote place and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away, so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus replied, They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. We have here only five loaves of bread and two fish, they answered. Bring them here to me, he said. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass. Taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and broke the loaves. And he gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the people. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up twelve basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. The number of those who ate was about five thousand men, besides women and children. The Gospel of the Lord. Everyone has experienced the pain of losing someone they love. It's a hurt that aches down deep into your very core. Even if it's a believer and you know they're in heaven, it's still a feeling so intense that it almost makes you sick. It's like a a giant pit down deep in your stomach. Today we know from science and technology that these feelings and emotions are all driven and passed through the brain. But it's interesting that cultures of the past spoke about your feelings and emotions as coming from your stomach, your insides, your intestines, your, your spleen, your kidney, your heart. Perhaps that's why we still have phrases in our culture like butterflies in the stomach or having a broken heart. The Greek people had a specific word for this, splunkna, the intestines and guts down deep inside. In their minds, all the deep hurt and pain or all the deep love and affection came from your splunkna down deep in your gut. The very famous story that we hear today in Matthew chapter 14 begins on a very emotional note. But you have to know the context to understand. Matthew starts off this way. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Well, you have to know what had happened. Jesus' disciples had just returned from their first mini-mission trip 
where Jesus had sent out the 72. They came back reporting all that had happened. You can imagine the commotion of each one chiming in about the good, the bad, the ugly, and everything they experienced on their little mission work journey. And that's when the news came in. Now, Jesus, of course, knew as true God, and yet as true man, it would still be a big punch in the gut. John the Baptist had been beheaded by King Herod. This was his special forerunner, the one who baptized him in the Jordan River and his relative. It was a tragedy so horrific enough to make you feel sick down deep in the splankna, your guts. It's quite understandable that Jesus wanted to get away and have a little quiet and private time with his disciples to think, to pray, to be alone, to, to regroup, and to teach his disciples. So they hopped in a boat and sailed north in the Sea of Galilee for a little town called Bethsaida. That's the backstory that helps us understand what's going on a little more and makes the next sentence all the more striking. Hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the towns. Now, if we put this in the best light, they probably didn't know what was going on. The crowds probably didn't know what had happened or how Jesus was feeling, and they just wanted to see Jesus. But on the other hand, I mean, come on, give the guy a break. He was constantly swarmed. People were always around him, clamoring for more, clamoring for more help. He barely had a chance to catch his breath, let alone to eat, some of the Gospels tell us. He was mentally and physically exhausted, and now his friend, his relative, had just had a horrific death. Come on, this is nearly rude. 5,000-plus people traveling around through the villages following Jesus as he, as he sails on a boat like paparazzi hunting down a celebrity. And Jesus didn't even have a chance to set foot on shore, and there they all were waiting for him. I think at this point, any ordinary person would have probably snapped. Are you kidding me? Come on, get out of here. What do you think you're doing? Not today. Leave me alone. Don't you know what I'm going through? Don't you know the hurt, the pain down deep in my splankna, in the guts? Not today, go away. And yet we know, of course, Jesus is no ordinary person. And in fact, his response was extraordinary. Here's what Matthew tells us. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and healed their sick. He wasn't angry, mad, frustrated or annoyed. He had compassion. Now here's what's fascinating. That word, compassion, is splanknizomai in Greek. I know you wanted to learn Greek words today. The Greek people actually took that word for your deep inner parts, your intestines, your guts, where you have all your feelings, your splankna, and they turned it into a verb, splanknizomai. And so it means to love someone from down deep in your guts, or in English, to have compassion. 
So Jesus, when he could have been mourning with a broken heart and pain down deep in his guts, he instead chose to love with all his heart from down deep in his guts. In Mark's account of this miracle, he tells us why. Jesus looked out at this crowd and he saw that they were lost, like sheep without a shepherd. Here were all these thousands of people wanting all these things from Jesus, and yet they were rather clueless. In fact, they were helpless and they were hopeless, completely lost. They were reeling in a world cursed by sin, riddled with sickness and disease and suffering. And what is more, they were lost in the dark valley of their own sin and guilt with no way to get out. And so Jesus looked at them and loved them from down deep in his heart. He had compassion on them and healed them and helped them. Have you felt like these crowds before? So lost, so hopeless, so helpless. But why bring it to God? Why would he care about little old you? Why would he help a sinner like me? Why pray? And again, isn't God getting sick of you praying about the same thing over and over again and again and again? Why bother or annoy God? Set aside your worries, your doubts, or your fears about your sickness and suffering in life. See your compassionate Savior today. Look at his love. Psalm 34, verse 18 says it this way. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Peter, who was there for the miracle on this day, later said it this way. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Bring your sickness, your disease, your cancer, your hurt, your pain, your sadness, your anxiety. Bring it all to the Lord. He's not going to be mad or angry or frustrated or annoyed, but rather he will look at you in the very same way and splunk nidzomai, love you from down deep in his gut and have compassion. This was only the beginning of the love and compassion on this miraculous day, though. Jesus was helping and healing these thousands of people, and as you can imagine, the time went by quite quickly. Now it was getting to be late in the afternoon and almost evening, so the disciples came to Jesus with a rather logical piece of human advice, a practical concern. Uh, Jesus, it's kind of late in the day here. There's lots of people. They need to eat. Maybe we should send them away perhaps an opportunity for some peace and quiet, too. But Jesus immediately flipped their concern on them and presented them with a challenge. They do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Now, this was one of those amazing Jesus moments meant to challenge them and to teach them, if they were really thinking carefully about whom they were speaking with, 
they probably could have come up with a little better answer, but instead they leaned into the logical and practical and they said back to Jesus, we have here only five loaves of bread and two fish. We could never feed all these people with just this, Jesus. And of course they were right. They couldn't. But what they forgot was that Jesus could. Time for the lesson and time for more compassion. Jesus took the five loaves of bread, the two fish. He looked up to heaven and prayed to his heavenly Father. He gave thanks. He broke the bread as he likely had done so often and gave it to his disciples and said, here, go feed them. How do you suppose that went? Do you think they got it yet? Or maybe perchance were they a bit skeptical, each disciple armed with 40% of a loaf of bread and one-sixth of a fish? Uh, Jesus, this isn't even enough for one family. And yet they kept going and going and feeding and distributing and going and feeding some more. How long before they caught on to what was happening? Matthew reports that there were about 5,000 men there, not counting women and children, so what, maybe 10,000 plus people, half a Pfizer forum worth of people? And they kept feeding and feeding and feeding until everyone had something to eat and not a bite, a nibble, or a crumb. Matthew specifically says they all ate and were satisfied, meaning that they ate to their fill. In fact, there was so much food, there were 12 doggy bags to go. Such is the work and the way of our compassionate Savior. He easily could have sent these people away. It would have been rather practical and reasonable to send them to find some food. He could have easily prevented what was about to happen, that many people would come after him, seeking him to be an earthly bread king. But Psalm 145 reminds us of this. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food at the proper time. You open your hand and satisfy the desires of every living thing. Jesus was showing compassion and love not only by satisfying their hunger, but he was showing that he is the God who opens his hands and provides for all. We shouldn't be surprised there were 12 basketfuls left over. Not 8, not 10, not 11, but 12. Don't you think the disciples, each with a basketful in hand, went back to Jesus with a little better understanding of his compassion, his mercy, and his power? What is your need? What's weighing on your mind? Getting ready to go back to school? Ooh, don't even mention it. What's coming after school? The career, the job that might follow? Maybe for most in this room, it is your job. You don't like it. You don't like your hours. It's not working for you. It's not enough money. Maybe some here have lost their job. Maybe you're worried with all this inflation business that you'll have enough to sufficiently provide for your whole family. Maybe some are worried that they can sustain themselves throughout retirement. Leave your 
doubts, your worries, and your fears about your needs to the side. See your compassionate Savior today. Look at his love. Look at how easily, how powerfully, how willingly he provides for those in need. You're not going to get lost or looked over as a nobody among eight billion other people in this world. You have prayed so often, some of you perhaps thousands of times, give us, give me today our daily bread. And he has, and he does, and he will. He will provide for your every need and satisfy your desires to overflowing because of his great compassion and love for you. This is what our Savior does. And there's one more sure and certain reason we know that's true. If you haven't caught on yet, I really like this word splankna, besides being fun to say. It's really a fascinating word to think about the intestines, the insides, and your feelings and emotions coming from it. But there's one other interesting angle in Greek culture. Originally, before they thought of it as the seat of your feelings, it was literally just your intestines. And usually, in Greek culture, they used that word to refer to what was offered to the gods. In other words, they would kill an animal and the splankna would be offered as a sacrifice. Isn't it interesting? The specific words that our God chooses to use in his inspired script scriptures. Here we have Jesus seeing these thousands of people who were so helpless, so lost, and we are told that he splunk nidzomai. He looked on them and he loved them from down deep in his splankna. But do you want to know how Jesus really showed his love and compassion? By becoming the splankna. The sacrifice, the animal, the lamb that was slain, compassion incarnate, in real human flesh and blood, because God is love. Once we begin to understand this, the understanding of the miracle begins to open up to us. Yes, we see today Jesus is powerful. Yes, we understand Jesus can heal you. Yes, we see Jesus will provide for you. But if you want to know Jesus' real love and compassion, then you will see this as just another miracle Jesus uses to prove to thousands, to his disciples personally, and to you and to me, that he is, in fact, who he says he is. True God come in human flesh to be our Savior. Give thanks to God today that Jesus can, he can heal your cold, your cough, your COVID, or your cancer. But give all the more thanks that Jesus has healed you from your sickness of sin. He became that sacrifice that was offered to God to appease his wrath against what you have done. The blood poured out from his dying wounds covers over your doubts, your worries, your fears about your daily needs and your suffering and sickness in life. It covers over all your sin and guilt. The beating heart of Jesus' love and compassion is seen all the more, not in his healing, but on the cross when his heart stopped beating and he died to take away your sin and bring you forgiveness. 
Yes, give thanks today that Jesus does provide for your physical needs. He gives you this day your daily bread. But give all the more thanks that he has provided for your greatest need. You too were lost, like a sheep without a shepherd. And so Jesus became the good shepherd who laid down his life so you could be a sheep in his sheep pen. You too were lost in the valley of the shadow of death of your own sin and guilt. And so Jesus came to be our help, the good shepherd to lead us out through his life and death to the hope and light of everlasting life with him. It is no wonder to me that this special word, splanknizomai, to love with compassion from down deep in your gut, is only used in the Bible as a verb with Jesus as the subject. That makes sense. Because only God could love us this deeply. God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son How great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God and that is what we are by his love and compassion. I don't know how often you look at the fine print at the end of the bulletin, the the service folder. Of course, you would only do so before or after the service. Today we sang a setting of the Kyrie, Lord have mercy, and the Gloria, glory to God in the highest that come from a greater collection, an entire worship service setting, a musical setting. You'll see this in the acknowledgments. It's called Jesus, the Compassion of God. I find that to be brilliant and profound. When we come here to worship, we don't come just to praise God. That's not what worship is all about. We certainly do praise God here, but rather, when we come here to these green pastures, we come to be fed by our gracious Savior. And every single time, it is a miraculous wonder of God. We dare to stand in the presence of a holy God and confess our many sins to him trusting and hoping that he won't be angry or mad or frustrated or annoyed, but instead that he would have compassion on us. And he does. He does every single time. And the compassionate Savior then sends out his disciples, in this case, grace pastors, to announce the forgiveness of sins and to feed us with bread, Jesus, the bread of life, and to give us living water in the words of God himself. They use real water to baptize and real bread and wine to feed our souls with love incarnate and real flesh and blood, Jesus himself, the sacrifice for our sins. Here we eat, we drink, we taste and see that the Lord is good and every single time we are satisfied to the point of brimming over with blessings from God's love. And so then each week we go back out into the world renewed, refreshed, and restored and ready, ready to go and share with others what we have seen and heard and received here. Jesus the compassion of God. Amen. Thanks for listening. 
To learn more about God's grace or to support this ministry, please visit gracedowntown.org today. This grace is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace.